Welcome to The Scoop, brought to you by Indeed, your weekly dose of internal talent news from here and around the globe. So grab your popcorn and open your mind as I hand you over to our anchors from Tarpod, Lauren Sharp and Craig Watson. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Scoop. I'm Craig. And I'm Lauren. And my gosh, another bloody whirlwind of news this week, my friends. <laughs> Not only that, we're back in Melbourne for the first time in a couple of weeks. Oh, it's so nice to be sitting in my active wear in my home office, <laughs> no makeup on, be having a breather with Harvey. My goodness, hasn't it been a whirlwind the last couple of weeks, though, just Travelling up and back to Sydney, the amount of conferences that we've done and networking events, it's just like, shit, man, someone put a break on. I've learned a lot of shit, that's for sure. Oh, my God, my, my brain is still spinning. The I've got to say, success, I, we had the Tech Innovation success conference. was amazing. ATC. Wasn't that fantastic? Yes, the the meetups, two meetups. Oh, my God. Oh, ATC, I'm still in a buzz from that as well. The hiring success was an incredible event. Um, Just, oh, just amazing insights. Yeah. Sydney it was in November, really it's, like a, it's like Christmas came a month early, right? Oh, my God. Gosh, can they? Can we just ask these people to start spreading shit out? <laughs> I know my little my little brain can't cope with all of the information and the partying. Oh yeah, well you did pull a pretty big late on on Wednesday last week. Yes, but that wasn't my fault, as I always say. That's right. It's never your fault, Craig. Shall we kick off the news? Well, why bloody not? So what have you got to kick us off with today? I'll kick off with something that I know we both want to talk about. This Ooh, is from yeah, sh- this is a juicy one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, from shortlist. A tribunal is to hear candidates' data privacy dispute. So um, tribunal will hear a case in early 2024 which would could clarify how privacy laws apply to the ways candidate information is shared between recruitment companies, assessment providers, employers, and HR information systems. Mm. So I did, in the article itself, it didn't give away who the claim claimant was, but I... Um, no, but the claimant did get the job. They did get the job. And the person's name is Ekaterina Send, because I looked it up on the, on the um, VCAT um mm. listing so yes they got the job but then after that they decided to take um to the victorian civil and administration tribunal take the department of jobs precincts and regions and hudson to say they breached privacy principles in the victorian privacy and data protection act so just to cut a long story mm. short they did mm. a whole lot of testing and a whole lot of assessments um and at the end they, of it, the candidate says their information was automatically passed on to Hudson, Predictive Hire, Job Adder, Job Accelerator, GO1, Question Pro, and Live Hire without any disclosure to them. So this is interesting to watch because I've got questions. What are your questions? You? My, question, my question is, if you've got a job, why fucking rock the boat? That was my first question. That's a fair point, actually, especially in this market at the moment. But why... Okay, so they're saying that there's different, there's like one, two, there's, there's a couple of different um, ATS in there, mm-hmm. um, but job adder don't have access to our candidate data. Yeah, well, look, all this will come out, I guess, when it gets to the tribunal. I know that the department. And if they've got to apply for a job, they would have signed something saying that we're using um, this to collect information for a, a behavioural interview or behavioural assessment. All of those sorts of things you tick boxes for. So I, I, I'm, I'm beginning to. I'm very gonna. 
keenly follow this? Yeah, there's a lot of unanswered questions, isn't there? What firstly, mm. why are they doing it? What what's happened to make them so feel so aggrieved um in the process, right? Mm. Secondly, like you said, they it, it even says in the article that they signed something at the start, but they're saying that what they signed didn't cover off what actually happened with their data. And I just, I don't know. I mean, and it, the, the department and Hudson did try to get it thrown out, but the tribunal has says there's enough there to go to a full hearing. So that's going to happen mm. early in 2024. Well, what do you next? Well, my next is a three-pointer, actually. I was just reading Ooh. away, as I usually do, and all of a sudden, all three of the big four consultancies have just popped on into my feed. Um, it's just quite, and I've got them from a few different uh, sources here. Like this headline reads: KPMG freezes pay for twelve thousand employees amid market downturn in the UK. Now that's yes, yeah, so it's really just just has gone up, freezy time, freezy time. Mm. But they also told staff that it would only give pay rises to those who were promoted. And the pay freeze hits thousands of workers who had been eligible for a pay rise after moving into a higher seniority rank without receiving an official promotion. So that's obviously within bandings of something on those. But on the other hand, the KPMG partners were paid an average of £717,000 last year and Mm. they avoid pay freezes as they are receiving shares and company profits. Of course they do. As part of their salary. So that's just insane, considering they've got 17,000 people in the UK working and 12,000 of them just didn't get pay rises. Hey, that's no good. That's pretty big. But then PwC, they're cutting jobs in Canada mm-hmm. and now they've got a legal challenge uh, because they're saying that PwC um, employees are not going quietly, so they are saying that they have um, reached out to a law firm for a inadequate severance packages. Really? Yeah. Oh, it gets better. Okay. And now EY Uh-oh. <laughs> are in talks to abandon London's headquarters and the latest sign of accelerating office slump as working from home transformed the professional life. Um, the accountant firm is understood to be examining its options and uh, after launching a property review. Mm. So Things are changing out there. Now, that's a sign, I think, that the hybrid model in the white-collar professions are here to stay. A quick question. Have you got shares in Deloitte? No. They're the only one you didn't whack then out of the big four. <laughs> I know. I know. I didn't find anything to whack them on this week. I tried. <laughs> next, next week. Stay tuned, Deloitte. Deloitte's turn Get next week. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, EY have had a hybrid policy since 21. So, yeah. um. Look, it's a smart move on EY's behalf, if you ask me. Why hold real estate if no one's in it? Well, you know, the thing is that if if there's money being saved in real estate or an office space, perhaps they can redirect that into um, KPMG's pay rises. (laughs) (laughs) They can can get all the people from KPMG and give them a pay rise. Oh, funny. Hey, from Indeed, our sponsor, Seven Workplace Trends to Watch for 2024. And this is in their publication in Daily. Trend number five is listed in the article has come from, um, obviously, from Indeed. And that trend is, drum roll. What? More of us will be working multiple jobs next year. God, just what I need. As of June, Craig, you are banned from getting any more jobs. Seven point, sorry, six point seven percent of Australian workers had more than one job from June this year. Uh, with that number set to increase as the trend goes up, according to Callum Pickering, senior economist at 
Indeed. He says a number of multiple job holders has steadily risen since the pandemic and likely to continue in an upward trajectory, largely because people just need to keep their heads above water. So, Lauren, do you think, oh, this is what I was thinking, do you think this might impact candidates' prospects when applying for roles? So, look, if you had someone coming in that you didn't know, would you hire them if you knew they had another job either on the side or otherwise? Oh, see, this is the thing. You're getting some sticky water here because a lot of contracts now have a, have got a clause in them about them having two jobs or mm. having their own enterprise on the side or a side hustle or whatever you want to call it because um, it could conflict with your employer. I get and it. It's part time, right? People, yeah, but it's also stopping people from having two full time jobs, which people yeah. who are fully remote in working are doing that. And, um, yeah, so I think that's another one that uh, you need to keep an eye on. I think it's something you need to disclose if you are going for a job and you have a side hustle because it can – otherwise you're going to see something in your contract is going to come up about this, and that is really there to stop those people with two full-time jobs. Yeah. So it it is a a possibility. But anyway, Mm. Mm. well – some fabulous news came out yesterday morning, Ooh. and this is from HR Daily, promising gender pay gap results amid key issues to address. Oh, wow. So, yeah, this came up very early Tuesday morning. For every dollar men earn in Australia, women earn 78 cents, equating to a gender pay gap of 21.7, the lowest on record um, since the WGEA has started recording. So... The scorecard was released based on data from more than 5,000 employers covering 4.82 million employees, and it shows the annual pay difference between men and women. <sighs> Honestly, it is just – it's it's still shit. It's still shit. Between women it is um, – okay, so we, we're getting paid $200 a year annually more than what we were last year. Ooh. Is is yeah. the is the gap um the one point one percent fall. Is that narrowing faster than predictions? You know how you've said before that going on current rates it'll be a hundred is this quickening that up a bit to make on it less than hundred and eight? Uh I Maybe. don't know. I haven't got that data, but it might. I think the big trick we're gonna see in next year when when this data comes out, we'll know who's doing what. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's going to cause a lot of action when people actually see what's going on um, at a public level within companies. And I, I think that watching that space in twelve months' time, you're going to see a lot of companies scrambling nothing to try surer. and save their brand. If you're, yeah, if your brand's on the line, there's nothing surer than there'll be change, real quick. Yeah. Absolutely, because how many times are you going to pink wash International Women's Day, pull out the freaking cupcakes and say, hey, yippee, we're, we're so great, and then when the data comes out, you are not. Yeah. You are not great. This will show who is great and who is not great for everybody wow. to see. And it's amazing. Like We've had the conversation a couple of times in the last few weeks about with people going, do you know what your data is? And they don't know what their no. wage gap data is because so many of these companies are keeping it close to their chest mm. um, when they're doing their reporting. It, I think that um, they're in for a bit of a rude awakening. I think you're right. Hey, I also have a story from HRD. Ooh. Are Australia's recruitment processes discriminatory? Now, oh, this is an this article. This is the HR Director magazine, not the Daily, though. 
She's a discriminator. There's two. HR director. And I will go on note here saying that Lauren gracefully gave me this this story. Thank you. I'm Um, so generous. It must be Christmas. It must be. Businesses are being urged to foster fairer recruitment practices for skilled migrants following new research that identifies barriers that hold them back. Now, it says here new research, but I know that both you and I have been aware of this for a long period of time. So have our listeners within our podcast, Tarpod. Um, the mm. research is titled entitled um, Diversity Climate, Discrimination Against Skilled Migrants in Recruitment, and it found their barriers to application processes. These barriers include recruiters setting unfair requirements for local work experience, recruiters only recognising local certificates or quals, applicants not understanding the process or requirements in Australia, things like um, cover letters or addressing key selection criteria when asked, bias towards applicants from Western countries with less experience over Asian non-English speaking countries. This The article was um, delivered by June mm. Tran. She's a lecturer at RMIT. And she said that we, we've, with these barriers to employment impacts Australia because it leaves lots of um, vacancies in the job market. And she said, instead, we have an army of overqualified delivery and taxi drivers. Um, we do. Yeah, and and government, industry, HR need to communicate about fairer recruitment practices for skilled migrants. I agree with this, but she's pushing a lot of this onto the recruiters and a lot of it's not. But so we've got regulatory bodies that will only recognise a certain overseas qualification if they sit an exam or they've got to do something. That costs money. Mm. Sometimes the immigrants don't have that money to sit that exam or to pay for the conversion on their qualification. So you need to push this back to regulatory bodies within this country, not to the recruiters. Sounds it's not good. their fault. Yeah, um, she's talked She's talked about government, industry and HR being responsible, but I think re- regulatory I think industry on well. that one and regulatory mm-hmm. bodies, like how many times you hear about someone having an engineering degree or some sort of medical equipment device degree or something in your Uber driver, but they got to, they've got to sit some sort of qualification to make it recognised and they just can't afford that 17 yeah. grand or whatever it is. The other thing I'm going to push back is no Australian experience. We've heard this time and time again over the decades and that one doesn't come from the recruiters. That usually comes from the company or the hiring managers. Yeah. I I, I don't think I know one recruiter who would use that bias in Mm. all of the people you and I meet on a daily basis, Craig. Yeah. I don't think I'd know one. So a combination, I guess that, you know, and and I'm sure most of you listening out there do it, but um, consult back up the line, you know, if people have especially an urgent need, there are great people out there with great skills that my question is why do they need australian experience push Mm. that up the line why do they need australian experience and because the majority of these jobs unless it involves australian tax law yeah or something specific like that they don't Mm. Mm. they do not this is just you trying to be biased or a hiring manager or someone being biased. So if that is, oh, they've got to have Australian experience, okay, yep, no problem. Why is that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just ask the questions and continue to ask them. Consult yeah. instead and of being keep, a slave to, to the people telling you what to do. Absolutely, Craig. Consult, ask the questions and keep asking those questions until you get to the bottom answer. And the bottom answer will most likely be is they don't. I'm just being a biased dick. Yeah, exactly. Mm. All right. What you got next? Well, 
we're prepared to catch up on Sam Altman. I, I, seriously, I just want to give him a quick personal phone call and go, what the fuck's going on, mate? I, I, I'm really getting lost where, in all the shit where is he that's today? going on. <laughs> today, I believe he's back at OpenAI. But I, I was doing a bit of research over the weekend on this because by Friday, every time we reported something, two hours later, something changed. else had happened yeah. and it changed in the news. It has honestly been a week of head-spinning what-the-F moments Mm. um, in every industry to see something happen so big in such a company. But I've got to say, Sam Altman returning to OpenAI means he's joined the Steam Jobs and the Jack Dorseys, (laughs) all being kicked out for your company and coming on back. So you've joined that little exclusive plug, Sam. But... But it, but the fast growing tech standards the past week in AI it's been the head spinning is crazy. So sum it up: seventeenth of November, they boot Sam. Um, by twentieth, Sam's been offered a job at Microsoft, which owned forty nine percent of OpenAI. The same day, nearly. 770 employees signed a letter threatening to quit unless the board members are gone. Then next thing you know, Altman's reinstated. Um, and resigned again. And then on the 21st, Mr. Altman is back in his job and half the board's gone. <laughs> so wow. it's just, just yeah. insane. But I've sort of went into it and read, I've read a few opinion pieces as well as going into this. And one thing I didn't realise, Altman does not have any shares in OpenAI. Doesn't he? Nope. Maybe not he sold right. all of his, well, that 49, that. some of that 49% that Microsoft owned. Maybe he sold them on there. Yeah. So anyway, that's I find that quite fascinating. But look, it sort of brings in the, the questions in. Does, is this like heralding in a broader shift away from the academic idealism of AI mm. and we're moving into something that's going to be a bit more um, commercially pragmatic? Mm. That's a question. Um, and for tech users, is it going to usher in more con- consumer choice and competition in the AI area because it has weakened the share price of open AI and the cost of the company, whereas Microsoft have not taken a hit on this. Mm. Google would be so laughing when they probably well, might start flipping to BARD or whatever it's called. I think they might be moving on to BARD after this sent. Well, so long as ChatGPT will continue to write my job ads for me. And speaking of job ads, <laughs> I've got a story from our good friends at Rubber Band. And if you aren't a subscriber or joined, make sure you're on. Um, so someone put on Rubber Band this week an interesting job ad. So it was for a full-time assistant, 70K a year, plus travel, mm-hmm. plus bonus. Sounds fantastic. Uh, it's you know about us as the company, Ladin Co. Prior to limit, a thriving conglomerate of seven to eight figure companies led by entrepreneur Fletcher Lad on the lookout for a dynamic and versatile assistant to support. The word Lad already is scaring the shit out of me. <laughs> so it goes on jo- normal job restriction. I mean description. You need X, Y, and Z to be an assistant. Then the last thing in the job description. Um, I mean, that sorry, that goes on fine. Then requirements. The last thing in the requirement just has a little bit, a very small um, red flag is recent headshot in resume as a requirement. Then, interestingly, at the bottom of the ad, it says, if you are ready to take on this exciting opportunity, message Fletcher on WhatsApp, giving his phone phone number, with a recent headshot, as well as your Instagram handle, and it must not be private because that's how we're going to um, interact with you. And if you do not follow these instructions to apply, you will not be considered. Very interesting, isn't it? For a, for an assistance role, he wants photos, wants WhatsApp, wants Insta, wants all of these things. I just think that where is does the line being crossed here? What was the name of the company? 
Lad and Co. Okay. Did anyone Google Lad and Co to find out if these guys are actually legit or are they gonna, absolute bullshit? I was and where's the role based? <laughs> In Melbourne, but it's remote. Fully really? remote. Yep. Fletcher Lad, mate. Fletcher Lad is your man. Anyway. Okay. Um, so Lad and Co are a Melbourne-based brand, creative and branding company. But that just, in fact, they're based, um, yeah, here in Victoria. So I just find that that's there's a little bit of a creepiness about that ad. That's sort of the feeling of um, rubber band that, oh, it's a bit, is there some inappropriateness? Is Are there enough red flags to go, hang on? Um, you know, it's it's very interesting. Very I don't want my daughter applying for that. No. Well, maybe I should apply and send my um, headshot in. How, how do you reckon I'd go? Yeah, or better yet, those who know us, we could do a dummy application with Bonnie. Oh, we could have seen how we go. We could Actually, get sneaky. Watch this space. I think tomorrow in the office, <laughs> let's see what we can do on that. <laughs> Yes. Oh, my God, people, things are getting, getting fun. But anyway, now let's move on to events. Let's. Events. I've got one. How many have you got? One. Isn't because everything nice happened. Change? Everything happened in the last two weeks. My God. <laughs> no. Well, I'm just going straight in with the Melbourne recruitment meetup, end of year Christmas party at 5:30 p.m. on Wednesday, the 6th of December, at Beer Deluxe in Fed Square off Flinders Street. So just get onto the old um, meetups.com and register. And I, I really don't think they're going to do shit if you register or not. Just turn up and drink beer. <laughs> oh, I know they need you to register. I think they've got to cater. Okay, yep. please register. Ignore what I said. <laughs> the one I've <laughs> or just got turn up and drink beer. <laughs> is Brisbane Recruitment Meetup on December 7th? Is their Christmas party the mm. day after? Trivia Networking and Nibbles. I'll be there, but that might be an advertisement not to come, so I don't know that I should be advertising that. It's at the Jubilee Hotel in the Valley. Contact Brisbane Recruitment Meetup on LinkedIn or search them on Meetup. Um, That's going to get loose. That is going to get loose as shit, that one. Yeah. See if you can find their uh, banner I left behind. Oh, I know. I'll knock on all the doors. I'll probably recognise say, hey, we've got a banner with your face on it right here. <laughs> I know, I know. So look, as we get closer in, I th- um, this is obviously the last one for November. We've got a few more coming up into December. We'll be taking you all the way up to Christmas, everybody, with the scoop and what do you buy indeed. And um, give me a bit of a preview too into what's coming next year mm. because you and I have been having a bit of a chat and we've got so much on coming in next year. Indeed, have a whopper of event. So watch this space yeah, coming up February. in February. Uh, and then obviously we've got all the meetups coming back on. We're going to be making it to New Zealand at some stage next year for the Auckland meetup. That's yes. a given. Same with Radelaide. We'll be over there for you guys. And I think in April, yeah. I know it's a bit of time off, but in April I think the applications will open for the Idas too. Oh, yes. We've already got the items well underway in the planning stages. Um, mm. Anyone who knows me knows I can't help myself. And, <laughs> like, obviously then we've got all of our um, TA brews that Joe pops on, all the stuff that Aiden's going to be doing through the Rubber Band Network for online for people who can't get to major events in cities, which is fantastic. Um, Yeah, there's a lot coming up, and I've no doubt that smart recruiters will be doing another hiring success, which year, I cannot yeah. wait for. That was so good. And AT see watch this space and see what they do next year Mm. god they run a good event so until next week everyone it's a goodbye from me it's a goodbye from me stay safe for everyone that world out there is a bloody crazy place right now